Welcome to the Lee Company Thrive Podcast. I am your chaplain at Lee Company, Kyle Froman, and I'm so glad to have you listening to Thrive this week. While we took a little bit of a detour last week from the series of topics I'd been covering on the questions that Jesus asked his followers and some of the more prominent questions and how they're overlaid in our life, I wanted to jump back in this week and finish off with one more question that Jesus had during his life and ministry that I think is of extreme importance when overlaid in our own lives. As we jump into it this week, I have a bit of a confession to make to each of you. I used to be completely terrified of public speaking. It was the one fear in life that rivaled my fear of spiders. And you guys haven't heard any of my good spider stories yet, but trust me, I am petrified of spiders. But public speaking was right up there with spiders in my book. Yet, for some reason, I signed up for a public speaking class back at community college before I transferred over to Treveca. At that point in my life, Standing in front of a group of people, knowing that each one of them was looking at me and watching me, critiquing me and hanging on the words that came out of my mouth, well, that would leave me anxious, intimidated, trembling, and, well, completely panic-stricken. As our semester drew to a close that year, We were each assigned topics that we had to debate a fellow classmate on as our final assignment in speech class. The topic I was assigned was if prior criminal records should have to be disclosed on job applications. So should someone who has a criminal record in their past have to disclose that to a future employer? The side that I was assigned to debate was that yes, employers had a right to know about prior criminal records. My classmate was arguing that it was an invasion of privacy and that they did not need to know the past, that what we did in the past was simply that, and it shouldn't affect where we are in the future. The debate from both sides became incredibly passionate at times. As our class ended, our debate Well, it didn't end along with the bell. It seems that the passion for which we were debating was not contained just to the assignment, but we both felt very strongly about our feelings. The topical debate became more of a personal debate as we left class and headed into the parking lot, both of us talking a much bigger game than what either of us would really do, or so I thought. At one point amidst the exchange, I bent over to set some books down and tie my shoe. Hey, I'm a lover, not a fighter, and I didn't know that this guy actually was a fighter. So I didn't know that I needed to have my guard up at all times. It was in that moment that I was bent over that I felt the thud of his foot against my face. As I rolled onto my side, He climbed on top of me and gave me the butt-whooping of a century. And I do hope you see the irony of this entire situation as you consider the topic that we were debating. In the days that followed, as I began to navigate the emotions that were within me, 
I grew to really hate this individual. Not saying that to say that it was a good or a healthy response to him, but it was, in that moment, my response. Hate. To me, hate gave me a sense of control over someone that had really controlled me. Hate put me above he. Hate restored my pride that was lost by getting totally clobbered by this guy in front of all of my classmates. Hate made me feel better about my own goodness compared to his. Hate made me feel cool, like I was responding as everyone else would. I knew what my response should be, but that didn't matter. Hate made me comfortable and better about the situation. I knew I wasn't well with that response, but I really didn't want to be well either. I share this story with you because my comfort with my issue reminds me a lot of the story we read in John 5 of a man who was not well for 38 years. Let's take a look at it together. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. So you see, for some time, this man had been hanging out at this pool of water in Jerusalem. This pool was an interesting one for sure. The five edges of the pool were surrounded by disabled individuals. But why? This particular pool of water had a legend about it. And that legend was that whenever an angel would stir the waters of the pool, the first one in to the water was healed. So it's there that this particular man stayed for 38 years at the water's edge. It is there that Jesus sees him, learns his story, and asks the question, Do you want to be well? It's an odd question, really, isn't it? I mean, he's lame. He's lying by the healing pool. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be well? Of course he wants to be well. Certainly Jesus wouldn't ask such a naive question of him. But think about this for a few minutes. Think about what being beside the pool for 38 years meant to this man. In a way, laying by the pool had become a bit of his career. To exist for 38 years in his position, someone had to be caring for him. He had to be depending on others to meet the basic necessities of life. His responsibility was pretty minimal amidst his dependence of others. 
And here we are at just another day by the pool for this man. And Jesus steps in and asks him, Do you want to be well? Could it be that what Jesus was really asking him within this question was, Do you really want what healing is going to bring you? To be healed is to lose his livelihood as a beggar by the pool. It means he has to get up and walk. It means he has to get up and go to work. It means there's no more dependence on others. The handouts go away. No more laying around. For him to be well, it means responsibility. And Jesus said, do you really want to be well? And the question for us is the same. Do we really want to be well? For each of us, there are so many things that we hang on to because in the end, we really like what it does for us. I hung on to hate because I enjoyed how it made me feel. I enjoyed the control that it gave me. We hang on to addictions because they numb the pain. We hang on to relationships because they're a safety net of security and validation. We hang on to possessions because of the pride we have from them, because of the security we find ourselves resting in as a result of them. We cling to things that leave us totally lame, and we find ourselves okay with it. We want to lose weight, but not at the expense of eating healthy. We want to beat addiction, but we enjoy the escape that it brings us. We want to beat pride, or anger, or hate, or lust, but we like how these things make us feel. So the question that Jesus asked this beggar by the pool of Bethesda is so meaningful to us as well. Do we really want to be well? Or were we just giving an excuse as to why we can't be well? The lame man by the pool, rather than just saying yes to Jesus that he wanted to be well, offered an excuse as to why he could not be well. He was making excuses for his healing based on others getting into it quicker than he could, based on others not helping him get to the water. He was trusting in the wrong thing to make him well. But Jesus, Jesus told him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Stop trusting in the wrong things. It's the truth for us in the middle of this story. Jesus is all that he needed, and Jesus is all we need as well. Jesus is our source. As I sat in the courtroom waiting a few weeks after getting the snot beat out of me, ready to watch this guy get what's coming for him, I was confronted with a decision and a reality. Do you want to be well, Kyle? Do you want to give me control? Do you want to rest in me? You see, I wasn't well, but I realized I was depending on the wrong thing. 
As his attorney came to me, I accepted a plea that ended the trial and greatly mitigated the punishment I had hoped for. I released the hate within me and allowed my heart to forgive. I stopped trusting in the comfort that hate brought me and released into the freedom that was found only in following the ways of Jesus and forgiving others. So what is it that you're sitting by the pool waiting to be healed from? You see, Jesus is asking us if we want to be well. But along with that question is the responsibility of actually being well. Once the man by the pool of Bethesda was healed, he had to pick up his mat and walk. He couldn't be who he had always been, but the burden was on him to do that, to not live the blasé, pacifist life that he'd been living, but to receive the gift of wellness and to walk forward in the responsibility of it. And within all of that, Jesus reminds us that he is enough. So this week, allow yourself to receive the gift that Jesus has for you, of healing you of whatever it is that you're sitting by the pool waiting to be done with. But along with it, accept the responsibility this week to pick up your mat and walk. It's my prayer for you this week. If there's anything I can ever do for you, please don't hesitate to let me know. Grace and peace. Peace.